Welcome, everybody, to episode 10 of the Core 4 Podcast. We are in double digits here at Core 4. We are excited about that, but our excitement about the progress of our show and how much you guys have helped us get here absolutely pales in comparison to the excitement that we had tonight as we watched the New York Yankees come from behind against the Boston Red Sox to complete a two-game sweep of the lowly, decrepit Boston Red Sox, the quote-unquote defending world champion. (laughs) Fucking imagine that, defending champions. My God. We watched two straight nights of just absolute, just routing of those frauds, those bums, those fucking idiots from Boston. Every last one of them, top to bottom, frauds, cowards i don't even know my vocabulary is nowhere near extensive enough to adequately describe the the beta males that make up the 25-man roster of the boston red sox in the year 2019 but the yankees in our first meeting in the bronx we swept them it's no big deal we've been there before after you know running into some bad luck last year and Losing the division at the hands of those same Boston Red Sox, essentially the same Boston Red Sox, it felt good. It was about about time to just. It felt felt like everything last year went the Sox way. Injuries, oh, yeah. uh, luck, you know, bounces and everything. And of course, it was sort of like a tale of two games for them because game one, Sale was you know got rocked, and then. You know, Rosmo Ramirez came out of the bullpen and gave up more runs, and then they got a good start from Evaldi, six innings, one unearned run, and then the bullpen blows it. It was sort of like, you know, your starting pitching isn't good enough and your relief pitching isn't good enough, and it's sort of like look top to bottom and you're like well this is definitely a Dave Dombrowski roster because they've got you know the guy who was bagging groceries until stop and shop went on strike uh, as your long reliever <laughs> at this point. So uh, satisfying. Yeah. And I mean, just seeing guys who have sort of been targets of the fan base in the past, like Clint Frazier is, is red hot right now. Gardner with a huge, huge hit. Um, no pun intended for the red hot though, right? <laughs> no, that was completely <laughs> off the cuff. It was well played, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I should have, I should have wished I should have acted like I planned that. Um, but yeah, um, Hap still isn't right, but, won the game so you can sort of still figure that out um, i mean he looked he looked good from the uh, third inning on tonight from the third inning to I mean, it was his, his best last... start yeah, yeah it was best start. Was he, allowed, best start. he allowed three no. earned over six and a third that will work that, that isn't bad play. at all i'll take I mean, that yeah. i mean i'll take that somebody ask time. alex cora if six and a third and three runs is a quality start yeah i think it is because i'm not familiar with the definition coward um, Mookie Betts. It is indeed zero for seven, and that's so. I don't know. I mean, he's hitting two hundred this year with a what is it Mook below seven hundred? I, I don't know. So six seventy six after tonight's game. Every Yankee who's every Yankee who started except for Austin Romine has an, has a higher OPS than Mookie Betts last year's. I'm, I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised we haven't gotten to see Spring Romine. Like, like Romine just hasn't shown up. 
like at all. That, I, mean, I, mean, I, right. couldn't, I, I couldn't care I, less. I, I couldn't care less about the catcher, <laughs> catcher position right now. I need Just Kyle Higashioka behind the plate right now. Yeah, I am a big Kyle Higashioka fan. The thing is, like, hits the ball. I feel like, like. Oh my gosh. The thing about Romine is he just, the things that everybody claims he does so well, a lot of times he just looks lost. And like, he can't really frame. He can't really frame that well. No, he's not. I don't know what his his fangraphs uh, rating or whatever it is, like with like his framing efficiency or whatever. I'm sure JP uh, knows, like, understands what I'm talking about. But like, he just kind of looks like he's a, like a D two or D three catcher behind the plate when like he's yeah. framing, like it's not yeah. that good. And it's really no coincidence either that every base runner from you know from the fastest guys to Jose Abreu turns into Jesse Owens when that, they get on the that, base path and Austin Romine's behind the plate. I mean, I know uh, we're gonna Ricky Henderson the Royals. gets. I know we're gonna preview the Royals series, but like later. Uh, but like the Royals with like guys like Billy Hamilton and Mondesi, oh like that freaks me out. And even with that right now, yeah, oh no, and they yeah, can run there. They've got some athletes on that team. They do. Too bad yeah. they can't like score or hit. And I'm sure. And, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be they're 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 running all over left. us, and then yeah. Austin Romine's going to drop a 95 mile an hour fastball down the middle when someone's on yeah. third, and it's going to score a run. So he's probably concussed from all the small sample he takes off the plate. Small sample for Roman, but he's the 56th ranked framing catcher out of 70. That's not, not great. That's a small no. sample, though, and it's well, sort well, of it's like Gary. at this What's point. Gary, up there? Gary was lower, but he's also an even smaller sample. Um, uh, I can pull up fit. last year's My number. Narrative, you have to cut that part out. Eh? Where is Sandy <laughs> Leo? Doesn't fit the narrative. I'm framing uh, one game. He's played one game. He won't have a framing <laughs> runs. The framing yeah, runs are at this point. It's it's like the worst catcher. I think um, hasn't even the worst catcher is um, Kiner Falefa, who's not even a full time catcher. No, he's, for, he's their um, uh, what? What is he like? He's uh, their utility guy. He plays he catcher, plays shortstop, well. second base, and third base. I respect they the hell out just, of that though. That's kind of they dope. just threw him behind the plate. That's a true I utility mean, guy. I think Gary's framing is a little down. However, his overall, I'm using um, baseball prospectus. Their catcher stats are the best because it accounts for framing, throwing, blocking, um, and it kind of throws it all together into uh, a stat um, called fielding runs above average, which has a specific adjustment for catchers um, because it has framing data. I know Fangraphs just added framing as well. Um, but. It's sort of the Gary Sanchez is also looking much better blocking. Um, and so, um, like, I don't know. They're kind of losing a lot with Romine just because he, he does call an okay game and his throwing is subpar. But, um, I mean, he called it. That's not good. Luckily, game we're not. Like, luckily, there's, there's wins to talk about we feel like so many of our episodes have been like oh my god they threw the ball away oh they went i think all of our episodes over a thousand with runners in scoring position now it's just like well the starting pitchers in both games pitched you know hat pitched well enough paxton dominated um the hitters were hitting you know they, they scored eight runs yesterday and five today which is mm-hmm. fantastic. And the pitchers limited the Red Sox to three runs in two games. Which, the, even yeah. despite their, their struggles thus far, they still have, like, 
triple crown caliber hitters in that lineup. Like, I don't care if no they're struggling or not. Yeah. I mean, besides Benintendi's day to day, I think, but like, yeah, I think really, he fouled the ball off his foot or something like that, but yeah, still, like, besides they have that, one you, guy out. You still have JD Martinez and Mookie Betts who, uh, I don't know, you know, did some, really I believe before the season, before the season, uh, at MLB tweeted that um, that might be the best outfield ever. And so far, um, right. it's not really uh, looking like it. Yeah. It's, I, have yeah. to, I have to say something for a second, and I'm not going to rant. I promise I'm not going to rant. I'll save that for later. No, go, 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 go get yours. Rant. No, 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 I will, but not right now. I just wanted to say very short and sweet that, and if you're listening, you know, good. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a fraud. He's the worst. He's hitting, he, he is one of the worst hitters in baseball right now. He has a negative eight uh, way to runs created plus. That's I, not good. That's not Bradley Jr. Uh, With all the new striking out at like a 30% rate. He's got a war of negative 0.4. How is that even like possible? And see, that's the thing. A war of negative 0.4 in fielding, he's, which he's supposed to be good very good field. at. Yeah. He's, he's, like, actually, he's actually has a, like a defensive rating on fan graphs of negative 0.1 in the field right now. He's a take. He's a take under replacement level. He's only above stat is his base running because he is fast. He's always been an above average base runner, but well, yeah. That doesn't, yeah, that means nothing if you're on base percentage. It's two thirty. Well, right. It's, it's not actually even. It's one ninety. It's one. It's, it's, oh, no, it's one ninety. Oh, actually, actually, yeah. After tonight, you're right. Um, are you serious? I was saying two thirty kind of as a joke, thinking it was like two seventy, but oh no, who do you think no, he is, we, Austin Roman? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, eight hits in Jesus, he's bad. Yeah, no, oh he's off to God. a bad start. He's start striking out twenty nine point three percent. Um, and to put some context. No, no, go, go, go. You context I just want to add context to that. Uh, uh, weighted runs created plus WRC plus. You've probably seen it uh, as a stat, but that's a stat where 100 is considered league average. So not only is he 100 points away from league average, he's 108% below league average as a hitter right now. For like an average hitter, which is adjusted for era and for ballparks and for all the sort of... Um, Fun stuff uh, other that we values. Like to, to take away from, from hitters. Yes, to have fun with narratives. You know, for example, people who thought that LeMahieu couldn't produce anything outside of Coors Field and are oh. being proved incredibly wrong, which is very satisfying. But yeah. The day that um, I go back and get receipts on the DJ LeMahieu doubters, that'll be the day. Uh, that'll be the day. Yeah, that'll be rapture. I don't think we've done that yet. We have a 134 uh, weighted runs created plus this season. So, yeah, so that, that means he's like 34%, 34% better than your average hitter, which is fantastic. Is there, I'm going to go on a quick little thing. Is there a way to find other players within like three of 134 to see like who he is compared to so far? This, I can like pull up season? a leaderboard and tell uh, you who's yeah. near there. But I want to um, just say quickly about Jackie Bradley Jr. that a few of my, my like roommates and housemates at school who are Red Sox fans, we're telling me these things over from anywhere from the end of the offseason until literally just like two days ago that things like Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to have a career year at the plate and Jackie Bradley Jr. is the best outfielder in the MLB. Obviously, they meant defensive on that end. But well, right. he's not. He's not. Like, he's he's not thinking about it. You know, that can't even be said as a joke. But like about- career year. Career year. First of all, what's a career career year for Jackie Bradley Jr.? 250, 310, and a well, 309 yeah, slugging percentage? He did he have one season. 
that all-star year was it 2016 or something like that it was the year where 15. like or 15 that was the year it was when, a pity all-star vote because every like yeah. you know every team they need an all-star it was just like yeah right, we'll toss him on he's like um yeah 2016 was his best offensive season 267 349 that was his best in terms of average and he also played 156 games 2015 he had a higher WRC plus however he played um, 74 games his best season in the bigs by WRC plus is 123 so 2016 was also the year where at the deadline or after deadline we were all like confused why Aaron Hicks was there kept getting Aaron Hicks starts and Brian Cashman had that famous quote where he was like uh like what was it like Hicks could be Hicks could be better than than JBJ or he could be JBJ and then from from then JBJ has been awful offensively and Aaron Hicks has started to break out obviously nothing this year because of the injuries but still it's crazy how like things turn and quite frankly, yeah. like Jackie Bradley, the player, obviously is very easy to hate because he's absolutely awful and people think he's the greatest thing since Willie Mays. But at the same time, anybody who CC Sabathia doesn't like, I'm not going to like. Yeah, that's. And CC doesn't like JBJ. So it's that simple. I mean, I, what is that? The transitive property? I haven't taken, what is that? Algebra? Ge- I don't know. Fucking no. I know I learned it in that's, math class. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. If CC doesn't like you, yeah, I'm not like going to like you. There's a very, very good chance of that. And whatever JBJ did wrong to CC, it could have been nothing. I, think I don't it was care. Uh, yeah, um, it might have been. It might have been when, when CC yeah. was complaining about his knee being all fucked up and the Red Sox were bunting on him and JBJ thought he was all cute doing that. Yeah. No, no. Go fuck yourself, Jackie. Why is your name Jackie? Both Bradley Jr. and Bradley Sr. were named for singer Jackie Wilson. See? Okay. Oh, there. Well, shit. <laughs> I've got some comparables on, on LeMayhew's production. He's better um, than Goldschmidt right now. Yeah. Um, really? he's, hitting, he's hitting with the same production value as Nelson Cruz did last year, just under Bryce Harper and Chris Davis, uh, Athletics Chris Davis. Yeah. Um, no, the one on, on Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's hitting better than. Great. Yeah, he. Oh, all it took is Red Sox pitching. Um, They've awoken a monster. You better watch. Yeah, out. a little. But he was a little better. Right now, LeMahieu is better than Andujar was last year. Wow, that's a, see that one is that one's actually astonishing because Miguel Andujar was one twenty eight and um, LeMahieu's at one thirty four right now. I think so that's, that's also easy because Andujar obviously had a bit more a bit. He had a significant amount more power, but LeMahieu's on base percentage right now is like four seventy. It's gone down since, but it's well, still yeah, an absurd, something absurd. I mean, it's still like, an absurd clip. I think it's like four. I think like what, like four ten. He's now? at four oh six. Oh okay. Jesus! I've still, which is sorry. fantastic. That's an elite rate still. Right, and yeah, I don't, that's you like know, Aaron Judge level on base. He's percentage. never really maintained a high on base. He's definitely been a um like a someone who's on base is tied to their batting average, just like Andujar. Um, so um, like. His ability to just be a different hitter than most of the people who are on the the roster is is one of the reasons that he's people have been clamoring for clamoring for him to be leading off or be in the first five hitters just because you know walks are great, but if he can gap one, um, like it, it just provides so much value, and he, that's what he's so good at. All right, I actually have a quick question. I don't want to go too much into it, but like. 
let's say, which is a huge hypothetical with this team, but let's say that at one point, infielders return and they're healthy. And we have what we always imagined the infield would be. And Duhar, Didi, Glaber, Voigt. Where do you, like, what, what do you do with DJ? DH Voigt. DH Voigt and yeah. DJ at first? DJ at first, probably. Or or DH Andohar and Lemayhu at third. That's what I was I thinking. Feel like, I, I feel like you, you can't get that bad out of the lineup. I just no, feel like can't. that's irresponsible. And, or the glove. He's yeah, still a gold glover, too. Like, and I was thinking you could always, like, right as Andujar starts rehab, and if his shoulder is going to be a problem, I don't know. Where do you have to throw a lot less than a third baseman? First base. The minute he goes down to Tampa to start playing games again, I would say, hey, go to the other corner of the infield, see how that works out for you. I mean, that's always kind of been like the 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 pipe dream of Yankees fans like oh like one day he's gonna move to first and it's gonna be so great and we'll have like you know that Machado they thought though it'd be well yeah but like we'll have that elusive like first base production that we've always craved and I know this doesn't really matter because we're talking about like starting what our starting lineup would be but in in like wouldn't like me and all of them come back someone who I want on the bench is not Tyler freaking Wade I would like Geo. Geo yeah. is a good. Oh, Geo, He's shown a lot Geo, so far. I love it. I love the dude. I love the dude in the field. I mean, like the bat. It's whatever. It's like it's he's better been, than he, Tyler Wade. Been an, yeah, he can't. He hasn't been a detriment with his bat. He hits the ball hard. He gets hits when he needs to. Like he gets I, on base. He doesn't put terrible at bats together. No, he's he's a good. And I bet he he can play. I'm guessing he can play a little. He wouldn't have to play short. Yeah, he only have to play third base. So like on Duhar, he's got he's big, got third, second, I, short on the resume. Okay, so yeah, and that's some all first in the Indian system. So he's, I mean, the 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 thing about the three man bench is you automatically have a catcher, be it Romine or Higashioka. Then you need someone who can cover infield, including shortstop. And then or you like just need an outfielder. Almost. And you're gonna have a DJ. Yeah, you need a back of the outfielder. So that'd be all right. Well, the thing Gardner. with the thing with having a shortstop. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can't could. slander. I can't slander Gardner anymore because I probably no. slandering. So needs to saying be that he's on the bench is not slander. It's saying that Clint Frazier is nah, younger he's and better. Gotta be, he's got to be the left hitter every day. Every day, I have to. <laughs> right. I don't know if I can co-sign that. No, 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 I, I can't. I can't either. I can't. It's a, it's a, it's a, Finish off a better Shella. First of all, he's got a 370 on base, um, 114 WRC plus. He's been way better than advertised for someone who came back on a rather unceremonious minor league deal after the Yankees got him um, in a minors trade last year. You know, he yeah, was someone the Blue Jays, right? Yeah. From the Blue Jays who had gotten him from the Indians. I forgot how the Indians had acquired him, but it was just sort of like a, you know, l- you know, loose change deal. I think the like Indians drafted Urshela in 2008. They did. Yeah, I don't know if he was drafted or if he was the, uh, or signed rather. Yeah, yeah, during the playoffs. He's out of Columbia. So I think he was he was signed as an international free agent in 2008. He yeah, and he made his debut um, 2015. Um, but yeah, um, I want to get into Paxton. Yeah. Yes. Rightfully um, so. That man. That's oh, man. one of the best pitching performances I've seen in a while. He's a yeah, bad, it's bad man. He... 
just showed he has some that balls. Was, That's all I have that, to say. I, I liked what he said after the game about how his pitching style was throw a lot of heavy fastballs early. Oh. And so because that, his fastball when, so the dude just when, not, the dude just wanted to dominate the plate. He wanted to and attack then when, the batter. And then when guys wanted. start to cheat to hit the fastball coming in in the high 90s, he would go to that cutter that moves like a mm-hmm. slider at like 91. And Which then is just unfair. Drop the hammer with the, the dirt. Yep. And it was, oh my gosh. It was just like, like this, the amount of um, thought, how cerebral he was. Yep. Just not being like, oh yeah, I'll go, you know, fastball, fastball, curve. It was, it was all planned with the idea of he was planning to go through the order multiple times. And that's yeah. one of the things that, that everybody talks about with starting pitchers is how can they get through, you know, three, four times without looking like the same pitcher each time. And a lot of the sequencing, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like it can be interesting to look at pitch mixes. And I, I, you know, the, the the narrative about the start was that he threw a lot of fastballs early and then went to the cutter as the out pitch yeah. before introducing the curveball later in the game. And that's something, you know, they talk about how Justin Verlander would throw 93-94 in the first, second, third inning. And then in the seventh, he'd start hitting 97 mm-hmm. just because he could and because he'd been saving that up. And that's a different look. And so I know we don't like... What, what Aaron Boone said about turning the corner, but I think we could argue that James Paxton might've turned a corner with, I think it's the entire, like, yeah, I think the entire um, team has honestly, after these like games, I mean, it serves as a big, like, um, um, like confidence, uh, um, booster, I think. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the best starts I've ever seen against the Red Sox. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, like there was a Tanaka, the Tanaka, was it the Tanaka shutout or whatever, like two years ago against against the Sox. Oh, that was awesome. But Paxton was more dominant. Twelve Ks, eight innings, like no runs. That like one walk, one hit. I think two hits. I think or something. Okay. Something we allowed two hits. Something ridiculous, but like the word signature moment, we're obviously being thrown around. Regarding the start, and people were like, "Oh, is it too early?" Apparently, Sox fans hate that. One, hate it when we say. I'm going to be honest. I don't like it that they said it uh, that early. It's only April. I'm not going to say he's earned anything yet. Thing, it was know, a great a signature start. moment. Fantastic a signature start, moment. Yeah. I would say this is so far as a signature moment, not the. Oh yeah. Maybe no, the so far it's because he's only like, had three starts, game. but like you, you, you place a man who hasn't played in a meaningful baseball game in his entire MLB career. On the mound at Yankee Stadium against the, the Red Sox game after the they so just far. won the World Championship. I mean, if he threw mm. if he threw like six and a third, you know, two runs, a couple hits, like we'd be like, wow, that's solid, like good performance. And then he yeah, comes thanks. out eight shutout, twelve Ks, one hundred ten pitches. He showed just, why he's an ace almost. Oh yeah, and I I I his stuff you know, is I on and all working. It's I mean, oh my gosh! It's, it's absurd. Like that cutter, I think his cutter is his best pitch. I don't oh, know. His cutter's nasty. Yeah. I mean, like his, his, his slide. I think it's it has a slider cutter. bite to it. It mm-hmm. is a cutter. Oh, I don't think he throws a slider. I don't think he throws it. You know, no, any softer. Throws. I think it's always, mm-hmm. you know, upper eighties, lower nineties. But it. Oh my gosh! When he struck out Moreland earlier in the game, and it was just he did it twice. He did on two, you know, he did cutter. two cutters. He had two cutters. He struck out Moreland. Moreland struck out three times against them. Yeah, more, and, and then just, the last was like the last at bat of the game for for uh, Paxton. I think where it was just that nasty, nasty curveball. 
And that's and just like, that's almost, if, if you think about how he pitches guys, it's sort of um, th- like his third pitch, he doesn't throw it a- as much. And so yeah. it's interesting because there was a pitcher who just, you know, flamed out in New York by the name of Sonny Gray, who couldn't throw a fastball slider combo and, and sliders and, and cutters kind of, kind of come from the same family. But um, Paxton throws the fastball a little under 70% of the time, the cutter 20% and only 12% with that curveball. And that's, that's pretty you know ridiculous to kind of just flip out um, whenever he has to like that, you know, a couple of his pitches have been categorized as sliders and they're definitely cutters that are just a little too nasty for stat cast. Um, but uh yeah, and you know, there's there's some pettit in him and it's kind of cool oh, to see. I love the Andy Pettit in That's him. That's exactly like, get, what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, like we were <laughs> we were mentioning the power of his arm, but Yeah, it, well yeah, That's he's exactly what he is. I was going to say that. Andy Pettit because yep. he's got the cerebral aspect to him, he's got the finesse of the like the off-speed stuff. He's got the ability to place the ball wherever he wants mm-hmm. and he he sits at like 97. Yeah. But my comp for him that I was thinking is a guy whose fastball sits around 96, 97 and has one of those 91 to 89 mile an hour cutters with slider bite who plays across town by the name of Jacob deGrom. And hmm. you see the, the, the gifts of him floating around like pitch, uh, pitching ninja does him and he calls it a slider sometimes. So that's, and it comes in at 91. We know it's a cutter. It looks like a slider, but we know it's a cutter. And it's just, I, I think we, obviously Paxson is not Jacob deGrom. I would love him to be, and he's honestly damn close, all things considered, especially this year. But, like, having the ability to just absolutely pound the zone at 95, 96, 97, and then what, he was touching 99 the other night, and then having that cutter that is a fastball with, slider movement which i just defined a cutter kind of redundantly but like coming at 90 91 that's just ridiculous and then you could do that for four innings and then introduce a curveball like his his curve is nasty too in the third time around the order yeah and it's not just like he throws it in there because he can and because he wants to switch things up it is is a very very beautiful and effective curveball I, oh man, I was so excited when we traded for James Paxton and like, and it happened out of like nowhere. It was oh, like, that was the best part oh. is that there was no anticipation. The interesting thing was, and I, I, I was, I was a little like, Oh, like Sheffield. And then the thing about Sheffield was, was he was just so unproven that he, um, like can't, um, you know, he can't be much, uh, to be relied on and so i don't know i I, one of the things that i saw was what paxton could be for the 2019 yankees is what sheffield hopes to be for any team exactly four years from now hopes to be so his his is conditional and in the future so it's double conditional james paxton is, is here right now doing these things and like everybody is like that guy on something. So I'm going to be that guy on this. Um, like, you know, I, I unfortunately don't have the tweet to back it up, 
which I wish I did because it would just be that much more awesome. But when the Mariners began to implode last season after Robbie Cano got suspended, I think I remember this. Yeah. They, exactly they, Robbie Cano got suspended and, and everyone was like, you know, these, these guys are awful. Like they're bad. They were really bad. And they started to really decline. Um, you know, it was rumored that they were going to start having a fire sale, blah, blah, blah. And they ended up having one in the off season. But for the, the deadline fire sale, I was thinking, you know, obviously the, the narrative last year was Yankees. They need pitching. They need a starter, blah, blah, blah. So I called up our good friend, my good friend, not actually, but like one of my favorite Yankees analysts, not an analyst, but, you know, one of my favorite media personalities, JJ After Dark on the fan, called him up and I said, JJ, I was like, I remember. What what about the idea of if Seattle starts having this fire sale that they're rumored to have because they're going to be bad, James Paxson as a Yankee? And this was, I want to say, in May. When did Robbie Cano get suspended? Do we do we have a date on that or an estimation? I feel like it was um, May or June. Yeah, it was I, I pretty early was, on. I'm on it. I'm on, I remember, I'm on it. I'm on it. It was. I remember this um, when you uh, called May 15, in. I had May fifteen. Yeah. Hey, that's when my bar missile was in twenty ten. All right. Well, shalom, Max. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks for the invite. I'm nice. an asshole. I I wanted to lift Max up on the chair and do the fun dances and stuff, but I guess Max. Yo, it was mad dope. It was it was the first time I ever got drunk. It was mad dope. How old? Two thousand thirteen. It was thirteen. I was twelve, but it was. Yeah, lit. Don't you know how bar mitzvah works? Who? Jeez, you. I took me like Jaeger bombs and I was out. Yeah, because you were 13. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I, yeah, obviously. That's how it works. Uh, now everything yeah, makes sense. the same. Yeah, and now it's probably only three instead of two. But you know what's crazy about Paxton? This is completely like related, just related to the, to, um, the other night. But out of the 110 pitches he threw, only 14 were put in play. Holy shit. That's How many awesome. um, swings and misses? Oh, oh didn't he have like 20 um, swings and misses? 20, compared to 20 swinging strikes. Compared to like four in his previous two spark, uh, he had, two he had seven against He had seven against Houston. Oh, all right. Well, you know. So he but, basically tripled it. Yeah, that's oh, that's remarkable. God. He tweaked you, something, I think he said. Yeah, Carlos um, Beltran, that was huge. Like, um, um, no, it's not that. Well, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it was, but I think he said, um, he like tweaked his like, um, um, I forgot what it was. His, um, he, he said, said he was going back to his, like his, um, plant leg or he something. Said, yeah. The he said he was driving down the mountain more. Yes. Yes. He yes. said he yes. was extending like a tiny that. bit more and that was helping his, um, yeah, it was ready by, to, um, to throw harder. Yeah. You know, just, I don't know. Watching him pitch is literally just. Cause he can it, dominate. Like it's he, just so fun. It's it's really yeah. fun, and I I think because the cerebral nature. The zone. Yeah, he it's does. Fun and to see I, someone and, and him making in-game adjustments and being very cerebral and having a plan reminds me, like I mentioned about Masahiro Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Like they have the same, not the same plan, but they have the same attitude <laughs> about having a plan. Which I yeah I think I no that makes sense I think what it is is that they both have this idea that they know that pitching the same guy the same way three times in a game isn't going to work they know that that's not a a good way to pitch well Um, and I think the thing the the interesting difference is I wonder how Tanaka would pitch if he could throw ninety eight whenever he wanted to like 
Oh my God. I don't don't even want to talk about that. I just like, that would literally. The thing about that is like, that used to be what Sanaka could do. And so it's, it's interesting to have Paxton and Tanaka on the same team because I feel like current Paxton is what Tanaka was in Japan. And before his UCL gave out to the degree that it has, I can't even think about that. Tanaka throws 90, 91, 93. If he was really feeling it. Um, and Paxton throws 99 just, you know, because <laughs> he can. And he's doing it into the seventh and eighth inning. Um, and Which so you don't find a lot of guys that do that and no. can do it with effectiveness. That's right. right. No, he's he one of the only guys in the league that could yeah. do that last year. He was I mean, still hitting yeah. corners and, and Thor, you know, wherever uh, he needed to be um, in the eighth inning. I mean, I also one of the things that that deserves commendation is that. Um, Boone didn't get scared in the eighth inning mm. when Paxton gave up the double mm-hmm. of the Jackie Bradley. He yep. let I love that Paxton go and didn't you know jump and bring in Ottavino to face bets or something like that. I, I don't think yeah. that there was anybody warming up, but it was sort of this idea of like, yeah, it's one hit and we're up by eight. Like exactly, let's it not let him ball out. Let's not get scared here. And I it was think- good. Yeah. I no, I just think it would showed some maturity in yep, that way exactly. from Boone because that was sort mm-hmm. of you know, I don't want to get into the nonsense about analytics and then you know it's the, the MIT the, grads. Let's go. The MIT, you know, the the Ivy League nerds in the, the top. Yeah, that's, yeah that's why we called it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know that was a hard nosed baseball move. Let the starter get through eight. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's and just, we don't see that these days. And, it's, know, it's it's really really yeah. and that was if you want to really dive into the stats, that was what the the third or fourth time through. It was that was um Betts had a walk, so it was the fourth time through the order. Yeah, but so, had every every you know, all business taking out Paxton. The OPS against him first time through. Is 706, second time through 765, Four, third time 475. And it drops to 364 for the fourth time. And he only faced a batter for the fourth time 11 times. But he, he, you know, I think that goes back to what he is so good at about sequencing and, um, and just getting through batters in different ways and knowing that you can on the mound do that. And, and then that's the thing. Like you, you concern yourself with a guy that's coming from a place like Seattle. He obviously, you know, memes aside, hasn't played in the playoffs. He hasn't played too much meaningful baseball and you put him on a stage like this and it's, you know, that, that your trial by fire kind of thing. You're throwing him right to the wolves in his third start as a Yankee. And he fucking, he showed up. And I think when I mentioned like, you know, quote unquote signature moment for James Paxson, I think it's even fair to say that this game and that start could have been a signature moment for Aaron Boone as well, because we showed that, well, not we, but like this showed that Aaron Boone is not necessarily everything that people chalk him up to, not in a bad way, but like he's not all that people slander him to be on Twitter. He believed in quote unquote hot, which the Yankees are rumored to not do. He went, he literally defied all odds of an Aaron Boone that we've come to know and allowed James Paxton to go eight innings, go over 110 pitches, which is absolutely just remarkable for a Yankees, uh, Yankees starting pitcher 
in 2019. And I mean, I'm trying to think. Oh, and another thing is like the coaching staff didn't even bother. Like they trusted Paxton, I think, which is something that didn't get mentioned. They trusted him in that fourth inning in the, the second that was third jam. That was like, insane to see him get out of that. Yeah, like that was I at all. I audibly screamed when he got that last out because, the, and I was so impressed with how Aaron Boone or Larry Rothschild didn't even bother didn't even to go come out. out no. so they didn't want to mess him up. They knew that, quite honestly, like it was a little bit of, you know, misfortune that got him in that position. And they knew that he was capable enough to get the next three guys out. And, uh, you know, another thing that can't go unmentioned, and that is just the the demigod that is Aaron Judge the right fielder. Yeah, they're scared to run on him. They don't want to And Mookie yeah, Betts he's isn't a slow runner. He's not yeah. a bad base runner by any means. And he just had no interest in t- testing Aaron Judge's arm. No, he would have been just absolutely yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely just that's the thing about Judge that, that so many people are just kind of coming to realize is that he is such a fantastic um, five, you know, five tool guy. He really is. Fat, speed he's is got great. good speed for he's his like size. The third fastest guy on the Yankees, maybe fourth, or six, like seven, fifth now. Yeah. But like at his size, like Jesus, he that's, shouldn't that's be fast. Yeah, I mean, but he is. It's it's a, it's he remarkable. Just yeah, because he's a specimen, you know, you don't, you don't really have to expect him. He does so much for you that you don't have to be like, yeah. And you should also be a above mm-hmm. average runner along with that. And so just, you know, the fact that he can do stuff like that, that's just, you know, it's kind of a ridiculous fact of the team. I mean, he's one of the better runners of, of right fielders in the league. He's currently ranked as the second best by sprint speed by stat cast the fastest is fastest is no by on the yankees sorry on the yankees Yankees, brett gardner is still the fastest um goes gardner for those who qualify which they have 10 sprint opportunities which um are either runs of two bases or more on non-homers or home to first on weekly hit balls um so the the nine who qualify are um, it goes in order: Gardner one, Judge two, Talkman three, Clint four, Urshela five, Torres six, Lemayhew seven, Voigt and Bird are the last two. Um, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, they don't aren't the most um, speedy when it comes down to it. But um, I think one of the interesting things about Voigt and Bird being at the bottom is that. Um, Voight's the only one on the roster right now because Greg yeah, Bird had apparently <laughs> tore. And, and, you know, here's the thing about Greg Bird, and we're going to completely pivot into a discussion that might include yelling about Greg Bird. Who knows? Um, but, I never yell. Especially not no, about of Greg course Bird. Yeah, no, I don't either. Definitely not. Yeah, you I'll definitely. Oh, I really hope that some of your Greg Bird jokes are ready for this. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love to critique them live. Um, <laughs> um, a so yeah, critic. Greg Bird tore the plantar fascia muscle in his left foot and apparently is feel bad for him at this point. Like, I just honestly, don't understand um, where the f- where the fuck are the trainers to like <laughs> to like know that they where they been playing with a torn season. muscle in his foot. Like it's not that 
I don't know. I feel like it's a little crazy that there's all these injuries flying around and there's guys playing with torn muscles. You know, Stanton knew immediately that his arm was hurt and went for the MRI. Um, I think Stanton's Andrew Hart probably. Well, I, I think, think also part of it's in that. Like John Carlos Stan, I, I feel like he just has a lot of control over himself. And he's had his injuries in his past get, too. Like he knows like when something's up. Yeah, and I, like, I think he just gives me a vibe of mature, understands himself, underst- like I don't know. I always just get that under control vibe from John Carlos Stan mm-hmm. as a person. Not necessarily like on the yeah. field. That's like a different issue, but like Right. I don't know. Well, I he just knows feel his like body well. Yeah, and like I hope I wish I knew his body well too, but like <laughs> I miss Stan. I, I it's sad. I met. Yeah, I think I the thing back. about Bird that astounds me is first of all, there's something every year that is sort of like it's always uh, in the foot. He, pl- he so played through the yeah. foot. Um, and um, the thing about it is like, um, how did he end up? You know, he kind of labored through a couple runs to first, and then how did it? You know, how does it end up? Like it hurts for a day and then suddenly it's something as like, I don't want to say catastrophic, but something as huge as a tear of a big muscle in your foot. And well, I mean, to like, be fair, like he doesn't do too much running. He plays first base and strikes out 51% of the time. So like how much does he actually have to do on his feet where he would really notice this? That's my question. Well, because, it's like, a question of it's also like a question of what happened, did things and ran the bases and like was an athlete. I'd say, oh, wow, you could probably notice that pretty quickly. But when you're Greg Bird and you're a statue and all you got to do okay. is sit up there and look pretty and be happy to be here. I mean, it's pretty easy to, to yeah, well, let right. these things I go mean, unnoticed. The thing about it is like. Uh, I, it, uh, it, it's, it's just frustrating because you, you run out of of answers, you know. I don't understand. I obviously don't understand how it happened and he hasn't spoken to the media since, but he probably should. Um, I mean, he probably will at some point. I don't know, but yeah, um, no, I know he will, but it'll be maybe through like a courier pigeon. Get it? Cause like, he's a bird. <laughs> no God. Oh my God. You stink. You. Um, we are we are actively soliciting applications for new podcast hosts. Um, yeah, to replace no, Max. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm never here. Um, <laughs> yeah, host plural. It's all you next. Cup. <laughs> I don't know. Go on is. the IL. Um, is Cup our number one prospect? Is he our Estevan yeah. Florio? I think I think he is. Hundred um, percent. I'm just, I'm just out of like, I, I was always of the opinion that I'm going to give Greg Bird a fair shot. Like I come into a season, not really caring about past things and comments and I'm just kind of yeah. running out of patience with the guy. And I, 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 tweeted point, this, I tweeted this the other day and I completely stand by it that there's no, you know, the Yankees have released Greg Bird upcoming. It's not. I, I, there. So. I, I just don't think he's ever going to make it out of triple A again. Or, I, you, you know, know and quite frankly, and like, it's see. just it happens like that to some players. You know, they just it's terrible. But they just disappear, and it, it it sucks because you want Greg Bird to be the guy who the was in 2015 and hit. You know, he hit 260 and hit a bunch of bombs, and he looked like a you know an on base power lefty guy who could anchor first base for years to come. And I think that from that perspective, I know that people don't like to say he did that. So that's why they're giving him chances. But you know that that's the truth. Like that's, that's 
where the promise that people talk about with him, that's where it comes from. And so he's a player that, you know, they aren't going to release him when he's eligible to come back. They're just going to option him to the minor leagues. Like, it's not like he's, I, I don't even, I don't even know what it would take for them to release him. He would have to like, it's just not going to happen. But literally, like, um, I, my question is like, and not even like all jests aside, but like at what point is he a burden on the 40 man? Like, um, is there, like where is he in the rankings or on the, like, you know, where is he on the, all right, we need a 40 man spot. You're up. See ya. Like I would think that with Ford, it was Ellsbury. 60 day. I was afraid to the 60 day. Well, you always go with 60 day because that's sort of like, we'll deal with you later kind yeah. of thing. And it's like, it's, hey, you're in time it's, out. It's a create your own roster spot kind of thing because the 40 man is a 40 man until you've got guys who often suffer these kind of sort of catastrophic injuries. Because the thing about Bird is if it, he's going to be in a, a boot, I think, for at least two weeks. And so Bird could end up on the 60 day sooner rather than later just because of the nature of his injury. You know, he's going to have to spend a lot of time. Well, exactly. Um, and so I would say he's probably, you know, shortlist for it because they're, you know, I had been saying for a while that they've got a lot of, you know, they're almost at like a 50 man roster with all the guys that are hurt and the 60 day DL transactions that would be able to facilitate, you know, more if necessary. But at this point, kind of everybody who can be there is there. Yeah, Gomez on there, you know, Didi's on if, there. If, if Anduhar has his, you know, if Anduhar's out with the, if he ends up having shoulder surgery, he could go. And that's one. Um, but at this point, there really aren't guys that you'd ax. I mean, Jake Barrett, who's a guy they claimed off waivers the other week and has been pitching for the Rail Riders. Isn't is Ben Heller on the 60 day? He's going to come back. He's on the 60. And he's on the 60. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be back eventually. But you know what? He still has options. So they'll just they'll reinstate him and send him down. But they will have to DFA somebody. Um, yeah. Add him back. I, I'm just wondering at this point if, if there's a team that's willing to give him a shot that's not like the Marlins or something. Like he, there's a pretty decent chance that there's he'll get claimed. He'll get, no he'll get claimed, he'll get claimed no eventually for a team that's a little more patient for Are it. You're talking about um, Bird, right? I'm talking about Bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heller Heller would probably get claimed because he pitched well before he got hurt. But looking, you know, scrolling down the list uh, of who's on the 40 man but not active, it's basically it's basically Estrada, who's got, uh, you know, something to him that that's worth keeping. Tarpley, who's shown flashes of being good. Loisica, who's the sixth starter at this point. Um, Barrett Adams. Chance Adams is probably closer to being you know, moved to some degree just because he's been, he's kind of his prospect value has completely imploded. And then it's Acevedo and Abreu who are still, uh, they're turning Acevedo into a Batances like reliever and Abreu has pitched well when he's not hurt. So you're kind of right in that regard. But I think the more interesting thing is that it's given a shot towards, um, given an opportunity to Mike Ford, who, which I like is an intriguing player. Um, who's kind of been, you know, if he's right, he is the prototypical first, you know, big dude at first base, uh, power on base, uh, power on base combo, you know, not hitting for average, but has always, um, had decent enough power numbers, kind of struggled a bit last year, but got off to a 
sizzling start with the Rail Riders in 10 games was slashing 410, 467, 897 for a 1364 OPS. I had five homers in 10 games. Um, struck out only seven times. Um, really hitting the ball. Um, and I, I just like, I'll start by saying this. Um, I think the expectations for, for Yankees first base production, especially with Stanton out and the, the most likely reality being um, one of Ford or Void at first and the other DHing. I can't see them playing Tuckman in the outfield and DHing Frazier, you know, every day. I think Ford is going to get a shot sooner rather than later because they yeah. wouldn't have promoted a first baseman only unless they were going to give him first baseman playing time. And so I, I like one thing I think we can get into is like, what are the expectations? Like, what do we need to see from Mike Ford to not be like, Oh my gosh, not another first baseman who can't do anything. Well, quite frankly, I, I mean, it's easy to say this, but like anything more than 195 average, you know, whatever Greg Bird's OPS was like, what was it sitting at 500? Um, anything better than a 50% strikeout rate, anything better than literally just having a piece of cardboard on your hand, seemingly at first base. So I, I think at this point, anything that is somewhat in one facet or another or multiple, an upgrade from Greg bird will be welcomed to Yankees fans. But at the same time, it needs to be mentioned that Yankees fans you know, known for their high and expectations and a lot of things cannot like just go into every game looking at the lineup, you know, three or four hours before it's released you know, before the game starts rather and get mad when Mike Ford's not in the game just because he was promoted yesterday does not constitute him receiving the starting first base job, you know, just by default, just because he's on the roster now does not mean that he is has some inherent claim to play first base over Luke Voigt, who I thought was the golden boy of Yankees fans. But maybe I was, you know, obviously he's not hitting 330 like he did last season. I don't season think anyone the is year, the golden like, boy of Yankees no, fans, it, except yeah, Judge. You know I, I mean. think that's the golden boy. Because well, yeah, that is I the golden boy. But like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the great yeah, no, hatred yes. fueled the Luke Voigt bandwagon and then the bandwagon was carried on by him being an absolute monster by him being actually good. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I I saw tweets today complaining about more than actually good, more than actually good. That's the thing though. He was remarkable. Well, I'm talking about him this year too. I'm just saying he's good this year. He's been good this year. He's he's an an above average hitter. and, And part of that's also that he's got a 231 batting average on balls in play and that things are sort of starting to turn. Um, in in ways that are good, but I think it was also just fueled by people. You know the the weird inferences about player personality that we mm-hmm. always. I don't know. I don't like them just because I've never met either guy, and I don't know who Luke Voigt is compared to Bird. But people see things and make their own inferences. But <clears throat> I can see how people would. Um, <clears throat> Fuck you, not you, JP. But you know who I'm talking to. I might. I might, um, but they, you know, I think where are your parents? It'll be be sort of interesting to see how they, how they view Ford because they kind of have 
a first base DH, but we're leaning more towards DH guy in Voight. And I wonder if they see something in Ford that makes them say, um, first baseman slash DH, but we're kind of leaning more towards first because they also have McBroom, who wasn't off to um, as great of a start as Ford was, but he can play first. He can play the corner outfield spots. And it's sort of a, a question at this point of roster construction. And so they obviously see something in Ford that he was where he was on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so it'll be interesting. And I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, they obviously like him for a reason. He's and not a top awesome. prospect. And I don't think he's really been, been looked at as anything near there. I don't think the Yankees have anybody considered as a first baseman in there top 30 and a quick scan shows that I'm right in saying that because their top 30 is like 90% pitchers. pitchers. Um, They need pitching. Um, (laughs) So yeah, there it is. Um, So like, you know, they don't have the next guy, you know, it's not like they're the Mets who have, you know, Dom Smith, who's been good and Alonzo, who's been good. And so I just want to take the time to say that I, I love Pete Alonzo. I'm, I'm just, he's been, he's been been worth the price of admission. Um, I am all aboard the Pete. I'm going to have to see a Mets game this year just to watch Pete Alonzo play. And I love, like, I I don't want to like start gawking over the Mets, but like two guys I'm just absolutely impressed with is Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo, because they are just fantastic hitters, at least, you know, to my eye so far. Like I've, you know, I, I, like I watched the games, but like, and not, you know, as religiously as I watched the Yankees, but like seeing what I saw from McNeil last year in a short stint with my fantasy team as well. And from what I've seen from Alonzo thus far to have the eighth hardest hit home run only trailing Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton in velocity at like in the stat cast. That's, era. Impressive. That's not even this year in the stat cast era, which is, you yeah, know, granted not too long, but like, and I, I am ultimately He's I, very good. I'm very impressed. And I, I just love first baseman. So when I see a good yeah. one, I got to appreciate it. But we, we like to joke about like what Miguel Andujar says in his postgame interviews about hitting the ball hitting hard the ball. and helping the team. But like, that's what Pete Alonso has been doing at a ridiculous yeah, rate. Hard, extremely hard. Um, and one thing, the Ford debate, Mike Ford, Luke Voigt, the question ends up becoming about defense. Um, yeah. And one of the things we've noticed recently is the Yankees infield defense is been kind of something to behold. Um, Gio Urshela is fantastic at third. That we all saw the play the other night. That Glaber, was, yeah, oh my gosh. I thought he had That's no just, shot on that play. He, he is something special. Um, his, his hands are just ridiculous. His arm is incredible. I, I don't know. I think he had the arm. I thought it was a hop. Yeah, that was, that was a strike to Void. Mm-hmm. Like that was, there wasn't an, un, you know, it's not like it was a small pick or something small that everybody's giving the credit to Urshela. Like that was a good throw that was, yeah, falling down in foul territory with one of the better base runners in major league baseball going to first base in mm-hmm. bets. Like that is one of the more like th- there's the play that everybody likes to show of when Machado booted the ball, picked it up and fired across his body from deep and foul territory um, mm-hmm. against well, one of like, those decrepit, decrepit old Yankees teams. Yeah, like five that, years ago. Yeah. Um, yes, Cruz, I think was, it was, um, it was a rare play. Line. It was a rare Manny Machado highlight real play that didn't come against like Yadier Molina with a refrigerator on his back. Like <laughs> um, cleats. Right. <laughs> exactly. With cinder blocks on his shoes or something like that. Um, but like 
that is fantastic. Um, you have that ends up pushing LeMayhew, who's obviously his reputation does not require any explanation. His hardware kind of does the talking to play his natural position. Torres Torres looks like a young shortstop, but of course he's only 22 and you can let him get away with it. And the first base looked, defense. Like, I, I haven't even thought. He looks more comfortable like, at shortstop. Yeah, he does. I, I haven't even thought like, oh, he's playing a different position. Like, oh, this is normal. This is, you know, Labor is playing. today. Yeah, like he had. I got he concerned that eighth inning. It's a tough play, it but it's a play. play like it. I'm, I mean, he has still like made it, but that, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. But it's fine. Yeah. Yep. No, I think the thing about, about Glaber at short is he, he just showed his of, youth. That's all. There's just stuff that he does that it's sort of like, holy crap, when this guy gets everything together, like the things that Glaber Torres does wrong, you can't really say that it's a fundamental issue. He just no, looks just like, like he's young. That's all it is. And that's what's really cool about the fact that he is so young and the Yankees have been so dedicated to making him part of this team on an everyday basis is that he is going to be something super he's special, be a star. even more yeah, so no, than he already is MVP. because he's already so so good and there's the flashes of that he shows uh, of great defense about um his ability to hit both early in the count when he's looking to hit for power and and later in the count when he shortens up and looks to just poke the ball um that's stuff you rarely see in guys his age and i'm sure we've gone on this this rant before and i think we have you know pretty frequently and pretty recently as well is just oh my goodness i cannot when he just just he's going to grow and he's going to get older and he's just going to know, you know, he's, he's nowhere near his prime yet. That's the crazy part. He's got like, Oh, exactly. You know, he, you know, when he's 24, 25 and has played a couple years in the league and knows exactly, you know, his limits and he knows how to um, position himself better. And he knows um, in terms of the, the fielding, I think the fielding is, is, the fielding and the base running are two things that he's going to figure out soon. Yeah, enough. And just like a, yeah, and I the mean, plate discipline. Not- he's a little over aggressive, excited sometimes, which is completely understandable. But like, he's going to be something ridiculously special. Yeah, I'm excited um, for him. Unbelievable. And the in- another interesting thing is with the current roster construction, and it's not just the infield defense that's ended up improving is they've gotten all these DH at bats available for guys like Voigt who aren't known for being. Um, you know, gold glove fielders and we've seen Clint Frazier and we've talked about Clint Frazier have some adventures in the outfield. And now they have, um, Tuckman who's fast and a, a fantastic guy who covers a ton of ground in the outfield be playing left. And that lets, um, Frazier DH and he's been hitting really well recently. Um, and so it's like, it's sort of like a weird night and day, um, thing. And it's sort of weird because also, the reputation of the fully healthy Yankees is that they strike out a ton. They hit a ton of homers and are kind of one dimensional in that regard. But this team is a little more. Yeah. I, I almost like, I don't like that we've hit less homers, but like it's, it's different. I, I, I enjoy watching it. It's a little bit of a switch up. Like it's satisfying as just the like homers a, are still important, but they've yeah. also hit better with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I think so, that's so, so much better. Last night, I think the, in the satisfying last as a fan, seven or so that, games. Like, kind of I know um, Katie Sharp, who's the greatest statistician um, on the internet, had a tweet about it. Um, too, but like Katie Sharp, yeah, is, she is, you know, she is something else. Um, 
who had said something about um, runners in scoring position um, that the Yankees. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Well, first of all, um, LeMahieu has been just clutch, clutch, clutch with runners in scoring position, but that the Yankees in their last couple of games were hitting uh, like 320 with runners in scoring position, which is um, much better than they hit last year. Like yeah. they were and like you know hashtag risk fail and all that stuff and like it was bad it was bad like obviously Yankees fans overreact but it was bad like yeah it was bad. and there's nothing we could say about that besides it was bad but this year you know this is bad this is very very bad it was bad and I think it's it's but interesting it's just because you end up um you end up just being like, just breaking into this idea that they can never ever ever score runs without homers and they had that that weird um stretch in baltimore where um they didn't they scored like 18 consecutive runs via the homer or something like that and there's this number it's called the guillen number it's named after ozzy guillen because the 2005 white Sox that won the um the championship that year they had this massive percentage of the runs scored via the home run um it was, you know, they're sort of working their way back to a normal number and not relying on it as much. And I also think that has something to do with the guys that are there. I mean, well, yeah, DJ LeMay is not a home run hitter. No, he's I'm not. He I'm glad this year, right? I'm, he doesn't. And I'm glad he's not trying too hard because yeah, he is so valuable <laughs> as a spray hitter. Um, he's shown that so far. But like, obviously, Gardner got the huge hit. The Yankees only got five hits. The Red Sox out hit them. But Clint Frazier went three for four. He's been showing a bit more. I got to give him more credit than a bit more. He's been showing a lot better plate discipline, pitch recognition. um, Just a little calmer, too. Um, I think he's I think he's a little more ready to be here. Um, And so that's something that's he's been he's he's Mm. been I mean, that's. That's nothing he, to sort of ignore. You can RBI, RBI, is, like this is, RBI is an inherently flawed stat, but it's important know, well, like, to when show. You, see it, you can tell that that's a that's a manager right. I mean, right now. The guy went three for four. He only got one RBI tonight, but he's been. You know, uh, here's the thing that I'm super intrigued by the idea of is where are we going to be if it's July and Frazier's hitting anywhere between. You know, he's got an OPS over 950 right now, which may not be sustainable. And I still yeah. think Frazier is the guy that we can still give, you know, the benefit of the doubt via youth. I mean, he's 24 and Judge didn't break out until he's 26. Like, yeah, stuff like that. But, you know, I totally see Clint Frazier, maybe if he can get his defense up to the right level, being the left fielder with mm-hmm. Gardner backing up left and center and doing. Frazier, Hicks, Judge, Stanton DHing, or he can play right. You know, yeah. Judge and Stanton are almost interchangeable when they're both healthy. Um, you can kind of have a situation where like Clint and, and Giancarlo kind of platoon left, as in like the other one DHs, one plays left. That's not a bad and, idea either. Cause, yeah. yeah. Because like obviously, like Clint's defense, as we've mentioned, Clint's defense isn't that great in left field. It's not great right in general. But Giancarlo looks kind of fine in left field, but also like it's kind of seen that the Yankees just want to have him mostly DH. But like if the problem presents itself, 
that's a good problem, I guess. So like, yeah, and it's sort really of it's one of those. Worried. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those down the line things because you're not really worrying about where Stanton fits in until he fit in, and they have enough optionable talent that it's not the end of the world right now. If someone comes back from injury, you know, we're not at the point where you're going to have to be cutting guys and messing around with waivers. Um, because, um, the bench, Higashioka has options. Wade does. Tuckman does, you know, there's a lot of moving parts that undoubtedly will move between now and when these guys are healthy. Um, and I think we're sort of starting to hit that, you know, I think we might've hit that rock bottom where Stanton's been hitting Hicks has been doing work on the field. He's going to take batting practice soon. Sanchez um, was running on the field to be back for Sunday. Like the day he's he able to be that. activated. He said, well, that. He, said that. he said that, you know, and it's hard to, because he obviously wants to be out there and we want him to be out there too. But the last thing you want is the calf to flare up a week from now. Do you remember that game, that series in Seattle? Um, where, um, Starling Castro came back too early and strained his yeah. other hamstring because he was compensating for his first hamstring injury. Yeah, like that's the kind of yeah. stuff I'm hoping they can avoid with Gary, just because I think he's they so will. important to the team that they but should not rush him said back. Something about that. I think he said like, we'll see. Like he didn't like say anything. Yeah, like, that concrete. was one thing I, I remember a little game. more like. I don't remember which beat writer it was, but I saw. I think it was Hulk. Like Aaron, Aaron Boone Hulk. is way is, not way more, but Aaron Boone is more skeptical of of Sanchez only day. needing the ten days to um to sit out. Yeah. I doubt he will. I think it's smart to just like wait. Like they can take it slow, but the thing is, if he's feeling okay and if he's only missing ten days, you don't like kind of just bat him seventh for a couple games and just let him work his way back because he always does yeah. his best damage batting somewhere between five and seven. So, and he'll probably end up cleaning up Gary. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was thinking about that tonight, actually, how like when the uh, bottom of the lineup is up in the game tonight, I forget which inning. It was one of the later innings, seventh, the one before the Gardner home run. Actually, it was that inning. I'm pretty sure. And um, I was thinking about how nice it was for the short amount of time that our bottom of the order was Gary and Duhar and Glaber. Like that yeah. was seven, eight, nine at one point. That was a real thing. Yeah. Uh, like that's, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's also, but it's nice to see that these guys are still, um, obviously they're still big league players, but there's just like, there's, there's so much fight in them. You know, Brandon Workman came in for the bottom of the seventh. The first pitch he threw, Frazier smoked into left. You know, he was ready to hit. Yeah. And then Tuckman had a good at bat where he had five pitches and um only one of them was called strike. He, you know, his plate discipline was there and Urshela struck out, but then Romine walked, <clears throat> and that's what sort of set everything up. And so it was nice to see, you know, Romine laid down a sack button in the first game. You know, there there's a lot of of knowledge of of what you're good at. Yeah. Which is something that I we haven't really see seen from this team stuff. before. You know, these guys, obviously, a bunch of them aren't all-stars and they aren't um, even above average players, but they know what they can do. So, you know, especially against Boston, that's just 
huge. And after Boston, uh, the Kansas City Royals come yeah, to town. Are a little bit lower once we have um, to face our old nemesis, exactly. Jacob Junis right. and the oh Kansas City Royals. Yes. He pitches so, game two. I'll run through the pitching the, matchups real quick. Yeah, I was going to say, I was looking at the pitching matchups, and if we don't win four of these four games, we probably what the fuck? What the we fuck? probably won't. I'll be honest. Three or four is cool. Three or four is cool because baseball happens. Yeah, We all know exactly. that. But Homer Bailey versus Domingo Herman game one. That could go our way, I think. I like that. I think Herman's like, been pitching well, and Bailey yeah. has always just been a disaster. His ERA is over five again. Um, Junis mm. against Sabathia, ERA over six for Junis. Need um, to fucking pound that coward. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Heath Fillmeyer pitches game three. Who? He has an ERA over nine. It's actually uh. right at nine against Tanaka. So you're the final game. Finally, um, it's at nine. It's not, I wasn't right. lying. Um, well, and then Jorge lying. Lopez against James Paxton as he hopes to replicate. Jorge Lopez kind of has plus. nice stuff, so like that's interesting. Yeah, we it'll should. be an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. He's got an ERA, his, he, his ERA is the best of anybody that the Yankees are scheduled to face. Was it like a 4 um, 3? 4 3, 4 3 0, oh, exactly. Uh, 11 oh. earned runs, 23, 23 innings pitched. Um, zero two because we love win and loss records for pitchers. Um, we should sweep, but I don't expect. We should, to. I think three, we should three, of, three of four will be all right. I think it's um, like the thing about it is I, the Royals aren't really hitting, and that's except like way and their bullpen has been absolute trash this year. Like they're the only. I'm guessing they're first of five and twelve. They're worse than the Red Sox. But also, like, they, they had, had similar troubles to the Yankees as in, like, getting a lead first and just not keeping it. And then the Yankees kind of figured that out these last two days. I mean, this, uh, on uh, Tuesday, they didn't have a lead today. On uh, Wednesday. Yeah, uh, the pen Tuesday, has. Um, yeah, the pen's uh, turned it around. But their pen's absolutely nice atrocious. Their like, starters have, have an overall uh, 4.80 ERA and their relievers. 6.79 year mm-hmm. right? It's not yeah. great. That Bosberger is like, like, is in there, and he's been like one of the worst relievers in baseball since like last August or something like that. I saw that. That was when he was with on the, Twitter. Yeah, he was with the Diamondbacks. It wasn't he an All-Star last year? Last year he was an All-Star. Let me, let me know if you've heard this before, but he was with Tampa Bay and was really good and then traded him something. Some minor league guy who's going to end up like tearing the Yankees apart in two years. Um, yeah, you know that's, that's just what Tampa Bay does. It's interesting how they always manage to do that, but I mean the Rays are a scary team. But yeah, right now, they have like prospects and prospects just waiting to come yeah, up. There. It's scary. Are they, they are like, a good baseball team. Is good, or are they but just kind of like on a high right now? You know, here's the thing. I said the same thing about the Red Sox. Here, but I do think that they're going to regress. I think that they've got a bunch I, of guys who are thing playing a little Sox bit above was, their ceilings. They like had like actual stars. I mean, like right. They, I mean, Mookie like Betts won the MVP. They don't like have an actual like. Um, like I mean, they're 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 scary. They're I know they've got the pen. They, they're stale. relief like, pitchers playing Alvarado, first base. Castillo, Chaz Rowe, like those guys are nasty. They throw, yeah. Like, they Chaz, Rowe, Chaz Rowe has like the second best slider to Ottavino. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like, it, it's and, some and, serious stuff. And, and some days it's either or like. 
you know, they're. It's really interesting that the guys that they put together. Fucking fastball! Oh, oh my he, god! Oh, he's the throwing that way. Power sinker! God. Yeah, he's throwing. Yeah, he's got Zach. You know, power pitcher Zach Britton stuff right now, which is just absurd. Yeah. I mean, we don't face them though for a while, which is nice. Lines up as yeah, luckily because the you know right now they they cool off at a certain point and and you end up facing them off of some adversity, hopefully, and you kind of see what they're gonna do. But um, I also want to say that I love Austin Meadows. I drafted him in the late rounds. I cannot I cannot think of a team looking dumber than the Pirates did in the Chris Archer trade. I love it. Chris Archer is such a bitch. I hate yeah, Archer. I don't like, like Archer. Glasnow is the kind of guy that you looked at and were like, oh my gosh, he just needs the right team. And of course he goes to Tampa who knows us. how to gonna do, us. you know, work with pitchers who throw as hard as he does. He's going to be a problem. He will and Meadows, is, Meadows was already due for a breakout and they also mm-hmm. got... Um, He's also going to do I forget who the third piece was. Um, oh, it's right on my tongue. at that point. Shane Baz, um, who was oh, he's good. Um, he's gonna be. He's good too. Um, he's yeah. Um, he was picked twelfth overall um, wow. in mm. two thousand seventeen. I don't understand who for four like, years the in front office is the, is the are the pirates like playing OOTP or something? Like I don't understand. Like even what still, logic went into that. Like that, no, that's a terrible trade. Still a regressing Chris Archer no. for a. Pitch a uh, pitching prospect who throws in the upper nineties. Meadows, who's just clearly Ridiculous. had the tools to be a good player. I haven't and, seen him field or anything, but like seeing what he gives my fantasy team night in, night out, is just absolutely preposterous. Like every day, I look. It was for like four days straight, three for four, a walk, two home runs, and five RBIs. And it's like Jesus, he'll destroy us, and I know he will. Yeah, his oh, it's a really cool story. So velocity's top eighty. Um, his expected um on base average, which is based on his quality of contact, is ninety first. Like he just hits the ball really hard. He's fast. He's at eighty third percentile. Like, dude is just something else. I got a cool story about Meadows. So, uh, as most of the listeners probably know or might not know, I'm from Georgia. And so growing up playing travel ball, a few years older was like Quinn Frazier and Austin Meadows. They both play, they both went to rival high schools in the same city in Loganville and they, but they play on the same travel team. And also Isaiah Gilliam, who's a Yankees prospect who I got the chance to play in high school ball. All three of them played on like the same travel team. And just imagine just seeing like those three guys, like Isaac Gilliam, Gilliam's uh, like super swing from both sides. Not doesn't get talked about enough, but that's another I story. Mean, uh, Austin Meadows is swing from the left side. Clint Frazier's absurd bat speed from the right side. Like imagine having to face those three guys in a in a high school like a high school travel ball game. I certainly Harper, wouldn't want to. Um, um, Gallo and um, um, was it Chris um Brian? I think they and were Jason all the same. Yeah, all on the same like <laughs> high school team. So you it's can't not forget bad having those three not guys. Letting you leave him out. I didn't even know that he was from. I, I think it is kind of funny though. Like how, Vegas too. Sure how so many players That's come from the same like play, like Arenado and Chapman were on high school like uh, high school teammates. Well, I think he was um on the bench at the time. Yeah, and he was backing up Nolan. I think Arenado was a. Sh- Shortstop, I think yeah, he said on starting nine. I yeah. think it's a good podcast. I love the podcast, even though I. Yeah. The host is a coward, but 
It's a good podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess like Nolan was saying that when he would pitch, Chapman would play short and like back him up and, and shit like that. Because, you know, Nolan's like three, four years older than him. But yeah, he was like, a senior, I think. I want to meet the fielding coach at that high school or either he is the luckiest guy in the world or he is just a damn good coach. But, but I mean like that like scale it goes like um like I don't know it goes like um um beyond like coaching also at a point like if you're just that good that's not yeah. like I mean like they're just like I don't know like there's no words they're just there's like, obviously some natural talent involved there hundred percent one thing I one take that I saw this is this is completely random. And I want to get your guys' opinions on it. Um, two of the Yankees' top 30 prospects are catchers. Obviously, Anthony Siegler is number six. Switch hitter, switch thrower, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Josh Bro, which yep. is a hilarious B-R-E. last name. B-R-E-A-U-X. Um, he's current, who's currently assigned to... Um, he's already in full season ball. He's playing for Charleston, which is low A ball. Um I th- I saw some people who believe that that was sort of a referendum on Gary Sanchez, which is of course stupid because drafted players obviously take a while to develop. But I think it's kind of interesting because it's one of the things in Siegler's um, scouting report is that he's got the athleticism to be a starting second baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's a chance that they develop these guys to be anything other than catchers for space? Like I- First I mean, base, yeah, I think Bro could end up being a first baseman, but one of the things about him is that um, his, he has a 60 arm, which out of 80... Yeah, that's pretty good. Or, I mean, first base, third base, catcher type thing. Like, that's yeah, the thing. Like, when you have guys that are athletic like that and young and you, you have the ability, you have the years <laughs> at your disposal to groom them and develop mm. them into whatever you might need them to be, like... If you can get a guy like Anthony Siegler in three, four years on the team who God knows what the the landscape of the league will look like at that point and what a major league bench will require and what it will like a standard one will contain. But like you have a guy who can switch hit the switch throwing is whatever, but like a guy who can switch. I don't think he's going to pitch. He he was a switch pitcher, but I don't think he's going to do that anymore. They, they, the Yankees said that pitching days are over, which is fine. Yeah, and then he can play, excuse me, like second base. I'm sure at that point he could play third base and first base. He could. And catch. I think in um, high school that he played like third, which I mean, obviously it's like high school, but that means he has some like experience. Right, well, he, he was a, I'm, and the thing about it is it's an interesting thing from perspective of the athleticism that people are, are looking for in players. I mean, I know Cincinnati has Michael Lorenzen, who's um, he's been playing center, center field pitching. Mm, yeah. He's a good hitter too. Um, that's obviously why he's been working in center field. I mean, I think it's a little, a lot, it's a, a lot to uh, expect of a pitcher to also play the most demanding position on the field, arguably in center field. But, you know, this idea that, players can do so much. I mean, the Dodgers are sort of an idea of it with Austin Barnes, who's played third, second. I think he's caught. I think he's also played first. And uh, Dave Roberts has probably stuck him in an outfield corner just for fun. Um, he's on my fantasy team. I think Andy knows that. All right. No. Uh, just no. to, 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 
to interrupt JP's good story. Like, don't quit. Um, so today, I, I, John and I are in a fantasy league with our with our buddies from back home, who've, whom we've known since like elementary school, most of them, and you know, whatever. And I have a good team. There's you no said you wanted that. to sell and low. I, said, I didn't jokingly, know how low. Jokingly, I said jokingly. I can show I literally the text. retracted the yeah, statement the like a minute later. I said, "Oh, who wants to who wants to buy low on a slumping?" Outfielder, and then the slumping outfielder you was. Said, I don't want to like fleece myself, but I'll sell yeah. low. So I said I, I was. So you didn't ever send your right. statement. No, I did. But I like how low you wanted to sell, so I sent you what's a, the like, trade. So I, okay, I was trying, but I said, and I listed a num- a number of players on my team who I would be willing to trade, just hypothetically. <laughs> on that list was Matt Carpenter, who was a very very good hitter, hitting like one ninety this year. All right. First of all, not true. Second of all, he has three position eligibility and hit 35 home runs last year. Okay, Austin Barnes has two, which are just absolutely just not important on my team. So, okay. No, 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 no. The trade. So I, I said these list of players, one of which is Matt Carpenter and obviously Castellanos because I have like five or six outfielders on my team, all of whom produce on a daily basis and can start. So I said... Somebody, if you're interested, send me a trade. John obviously liked the name of Castellanos, so he sent me a trade, which he said I didn't have to accept it, thank God, because it was no, just... Well, I, no, because I said it was a starting point, that's because what I, mean. I wasn't like sure of like how like low that you how meant. So like, just, I had no idea, so I just sent my worst guy, and I just wanted to see. Just for reference, awesome Matt Carpenter last year had 35 home runs, like 90 RBIs, okay, and scored a bunch of runs. Give past. me a fucking second. Give me a second. I'm explaining myself. I got this. I'm showing. Obviously, we're 15 games in the fucking season. You can't make any assumptions about players. But what we do know is what they did last year. And Matt Carpenter hit 270 with 35 home runs and a bunch of runs. And Nicholas Castellanos hit like 28 home runs, scored 90 runs, and hit 290. All right. They're obviously not doing that right now because we're 15 games in the season. But I said, all right, these guys are expendable. Is anybody interested? He sent me the two of them, Carpenter and Castellanos, two all stars for. Austin Barnes and Alex Gordon, both of whom he picked up off waivers this week. I can't knock the hustle, but uh, hey, it's worth a shot. I knew it wasn't like going to work. I responded with a more than reasonable trade, but she denied I the comment. Because I didn't want to get what was it? What was it? Um, Seager. I like Corey Seager. and Dansby Swanson for Corey Seager, who stinks and is coming off an ACL Corey injury. Seager does not stink. He's going to. I mean, it was the UCL injury. It was in the elbow. Um, and he'll probably find who was the ACL is a total fraud. Dansby Swanson is a fraud. Yes, he is. Go look at his fucking stats in the past. He starts out and oh, then no, he you just said the past out. doesn't matter. No, exactly. Oh, it only does in terms of my oh, narratives. No, no. Dansby Swanson wasn't a second overall pick a few years ago. He was number one. Was he? So even better. Yeah, he was number, he was number one. He really isn't that good. He is like, off to he a good start this year. Good. Yeah, but I feel like he's like, I don't know. I feel like he's done he's that. Off to a, he's off to a OPS over a thousand start, which obviously I don't know. Isn't sustainable he's, for him. I'm sorry. His history, his history is hard to look at because his two full, full seasons, seasons he is an OPS under 700. But I don't know. He's young. He's 25, and the Braves have the opportunity to let him grow into something. And I he's hope he's also they a very good fielder. Yeah, which well, is always fantastic. In the field. But if he did, um, I'd accept the trade. <laughs> 
But just a little um, anecdote about our fantasy team, in which I so rudely interrupted JP. But we have sorry. If anybody wants Nicholas Castellanos, who will be an all star and probably a Yankee by July, he'll be an all star because he like has to be. Yes, because the Tigers need somebody. The Tigers are also very good. So yeah, future Yankee. I'm I'm gonna I I've got something that I want to close with before we head into DMs, but like, (laughs) how amazing is it that the, the Yankees at this point, with all the guys that they've lost to injuries are still just able to look down at the minor leagues and, and have guys that have been doing, you know, better than your average career minor leaguer. I mean, Clint Frazier, um, Gio Urshela have been, you know, they've been great since they've come up. And I think that's one thing I want to touch on real quick before we get out of here is like, the ability for this team to um, call upon their depth like this, like, is there any other team in baseball that can do this? No. And yeah, exactly. They haven't been. <laughs> to a certain degree. Astros, but I think like it's, even- it's, it's, I, you know how people are like, oh, injuries aren't an excuse, but like, you know, they really are. Like, they kind you know, of that, especially no, they're an excuse at a certain point. And at well, that, that point, uh, well, to a certain degree, also, it's, it's early and, and there's obviously the, a ton of time for the Yankees to, to neutralize this you know, the bad start that they're off to mostly because that so many guys, you know, key guys have been hurt, but like, you know, they're not, they're not bringing up scrubs, which is an amazing reality for this team. And the thing about about injuries not being an excuse is it's just like, well, if you come into a season expecting John Carlos Stanton, one of the best hitters in the league, Aaron Hicks, who's been a, one of the best center fielders in the league, uh, Luis Severino, who was a Cy Young finalist a couple of years ago and is still, you know, after his second half slide and, and, you know, I wonder how much of that may have played into his, um, his injury this year. But, um, you know, these are guys that are super, super important. And I think Miguel the, um, yeah, right. Andujar, you know, these guys aren't, you know, it's not just your average guy getting hurt. And of course, no team can fall back on all-star level depth, but like it's impressive that it's impressive that they're being able to tread water like this. And so when they lose, you know, sometimes like if you lose series to, to teams like the White Sox and the Orioles at certain points, you know, you kind of have to look at your guys because you know that the Yankees as a whole, you know, the parts that consist of the Yankees are better than um than Baltimore. But yeah. When you have you know the guy who was probably number 8 on your infield depth chart playing, you know, Urshela wasn't ever supposed to play in the bigs this year for the Yankees and I I think the question cool is he's getting Right, exactly. And I think it's cool that he's been able to open some eyes because I think if the Yankees ever need to get him to the minors, he's not making it through waivers. There's not a chance. Um but that's something that's so I think we take for granted because as Yankees fans are you, you expect, you know, a lot of quality in the field and, you know, you can spare the stupid, like you should assign Corbin or Machado or Harper comments because all three of them could have gotten hurt. Can you imagine if we were at this point, you know, we're at, it's, you know, no, the clock has flipped over. It's now April 15th, excuse me, 18th. I misread my watch. Um, 
it's um, the 18th. Can you imagine if one of Harper, Machado, or Corbin were hurt and they were 100, 200, you know, 300 in, in the case of Harper or Machado, $300 million investments? Oh, and they got God, hurt that quickly. That would be ridiculous. Right. Can you imagine if, if Machado dove back into third and tore his labrum? Like, it's Andujar who's making league minimum or, you know, a little bit above that. You know, it's it's amazing that that's someone who it, it kind of goes back to the the ability of the Yankees to scout that guys like Urshela are there. Um, Talkman, if he can sort of click into something, it will be huge. Um, and so, I think as we delve into the Royals series and the West Coast trip that's coming up, um, you know, it'll be great to see how these guys keep playing. Um, and with that, we will. Dig into our DMs that we've got this week. First one, we're just going to go with this first one, is not really a question, but a comment. And it kind of summarizes and reiterates a lot of what we just mentioned. We're uh, at Philip, L-I-E-N, Lien, I believe, um, says, we don't even need that many superstars to beat the Red Sox. Uh, I guess we don't. I guess we don't. We have, you know, the Yankees will always have superstars on the field, like Aaron Judge and... Labor okay, yeah, at this point. Point. but like we i mean we just said it we we just swept the defending champs with uh uh i mean a grapefruit league lineup essentially a split squad lineup yeah One that like yankees fans would actually complain about in mid-february <laughs> we beat the defending champs tonight in two and games last night. i mean Albeit yeah, it's only um, and they're ace, um, two games, but still, it just it just goes to show you that the Yankees are really good at player personnel choices. It's just you know the guys that they've got in in the minors are are often better options than most teams have. Yeah, I mean Gio Urshela, I I feel like I'm harping on him a lot mainly because I think it's astounding that the Yankees have a guy like him in the minor league. I think yeah. it's amazing that he did not get a major league look elsewhere. He signed back with the Yankees, I think, pretty early on in the offseason as a um, AAA player. He didn't he didn't. I don't, I don't know. I think they were quiet about it. he might have had an injury because he didn't make his way into spring training games until pretty late. Um, and it was interesting because I thought he could be in the mix for a bench spot to start the year just because he's a, he's known for being so good with the glove. But like. These aren't your average guys. I know I just said it, but Urshela has major league experience and he's done some fantastic things on the field. And the thing is, yeah, he like just wasn't a good hitter. And the, and the Indians had Jose Ramirez, who they understandably prioritized because he ended up sure being have. a top three MVP candidate. Um, and so, um, yeah, you, you, it shows that you don't need supersize, but it also just it was good team baseball. I mean, it's hard to point out to that from the first game because that was just James Paxton putting the team on his back, but they also, you know, they produce, they hit the ball well with runners in scoring position and, and, you know, eight, nothing against Boston is as good as it gets. And then a comeback win five, three in the second game, you know, icing on the cake in that regard, because two game series are just, you know, toss ups. Mm -hmm. So I was fine yeah. um, with the split. Like I was like content. I was like, all right, I'll take one. Oh no. And then, you know, here's the thing. Here's what, here's, I know we talked about this the other night um, in our group text, but when Gardner got hit, he was staring down the pitcher. And the last thing that came to my mind, well, 
was please don't throw at a Red Sox hitter and wake him up. Yeah. Don't Mm -hmm. let this team that's been stumbling to a six and I think out of the six and 14 now or six and 13. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's including tonight. Um, a six and 13 team do not do something just because, you know, I know it's Gardner. I know he's the longest tenured Yankee and stuff like that, but like um, the team isn't dumb. And just you know, also, I can see it was. I mean, it was a complete. He threw my first pitch curveball in the dirt, and it was just a yanked fastball. But like, I mean, it's a Rosmo, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> yeah, Rosmo Ramirez. But like, baseball players overreact. And so, yeah, I mean, I would too. Was, if I had a fastball thrown in my head, but you know, yeah, right. I mean, no, the thing, but the thing about it is, the, you know, the brawls are fun. Everybody loves when the Yankees and Bucks are going at it. But the thing about it is, can you, you know, what if? someone threw it at Betts or Martinez or someone like that. And then it got heated or, or whatever. And then the next day the Sox came out, you know, ready to be what we, you know, close there, you know, what they were last year is always, obviously it's hard to call it a fluke because they did it for a full season, but they've been right now. It looks like a fluke, a lot of playing. I just don't want to use the the word fluke because they really kind of kicked everybody's ass for a full season. Mookie bats, like, yeah, the fluke. Anom- anomaly is is a better word for it. Yeah, but like you know, I, the, it, everybody's not playing above their ceilings anymore. But it's hard to believe that this is the real Red Sox. Yeah, no, like, it's their not. rotation really is. isn't this bad, no matter how many catchers they designate for assignment like it'll even out i know for a it fact will it even will out. they'll regress I to mean, a mean i mean chris sale is better 18th. than this it'll well, be interesting that, to see how that all comes together but like you know i'm i'm kind of glad that they didn't fall into that trap of of needing to get the revenge and just kind of knowing that it's it's an april game that they're you know they were ready to win and that's the most important thing yeah, yeah, and this kind of leads us to our next DM from good friend of the show and our uh, our aforementioned top prospect. Top prospect. Um, you know, at Cup Estevan Florial. What's well, at J Cup? LOL, but Cup. You know, commonly known. He says, considering the injuries in the two game sweep, how better of a spot are we in than the Red Sox? And I think we just, kinda, we just touched on it a little bit, but yeah, significantly. Significantly, if we're like healthy, I think. Like I think we're almost unstoppable as like a like it's insane. I think like if everyone is like healthy all at once, like I think this team could be like special, extremely special. And you look at the two players that killed the Red Sox over the past two nights from the Yankees, and it's Mike, Mike Talkman and Brett Gardner. Huh? Yeah, it, no, like, it only gets better from there. Sorry to say, yeah. Boston, but like. If you can't stop Tuckman and, and Brett Gardner, then stop, you you're know, not going to have a lot of fun Sanchez, when, when, yeah, when Stan and Hicks come back Didi. and they're taking those two spots. And it's not going to be a lot of fun for you. And if you can't no. stop Austin Romine and, hmm, you know, it I might not be a fun seat. It's not going to be. It's not looking great for them right now. And being and part of it, part of it they're is. They're like all like healthy too. It's not even like they have an excuse. It's their pitching is no one's hurt. They're they're pitching. They did nothing to upgrade their team. They did nothing. They rewarded back though. They rewarded guys. They rewarded guys for hot streaks, and that's it. Evaldi. Evaldi had an ERA over four against non-Yankees teams with the Red Sox, and that clouded their vision. Average as hell, except against us. Of who, like he is. They really kind of 
over evaluated what his actual value to the team um, really is. And so when you let, you know, Joe Kelly was a volatile reliever. He didn't have great peripheral stats, mostly because of a couple bad outings that, you know, ERA for relievers is always really hit and miss. Um, but they let Kelly go. They're, you know, less and less likely to resign Kimball. I've basically completely ruled them out of that entirely. I think the um, um, Braves might now. The Braves um, are in. I think the, the Mets um, have been in talks with them. Yeah, Vizcaino just um, got hurt, which is significant for their bullpen. But yeah. Betts is hitting 200. Bogarts and Martinez have been performing, but Pierce is, has a has a Steve Pierce has a 285 OPS. I can't say Not I'm even, shocked by no, that. No, he just he's just always been this stats, guy. He's always been that guy. He's nothing but, great. You know, There's a reason why he's Nunez, not. Nunez has 80s. a 360 OPS. Devers is under 700. Vasquez is just at 700, 701. Bradley 375. These are all OPS. This is all on base plus slugging, which is like Jesus, like. You, Obviously, on-base plus slugging is a better way of evaluating a player's overall performance because um, extra base hits are given their proper worth um, as opposed to batting average, which gives priority to just hitting the ball. Um, the Yankees are clearly in a better spot. And it's, just, it's not close. It's, it's really not close. The Yankees are 8-9, and nine, which isn't fantastic, but the Sox are 6-13. and 13. Like, And I remember asking myself... Hmm. Their pitching has been abysmal. They did nothing to fix the bullpen. In fact, they made it worse. And so letting the two best guys go. Right. Exactly. By, uh, you know, Ryan Brazier, (laughs) Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry. Like this is like when you do a creative player in MLB The Show. Those are the names you think are popping up. Like, yeah, like the default names. Right. It's just these aren't impact guys. And they. They signed Evaldi off of a performance in a playoff game that they lost, and they signed Pierce because he hit the random people that the Dodgers had in their bullpen. The Dodgers always have a bullpen full of mediocre players who pitch above their ceiling, and then they get cut the next year because they always sign these guys to one-year deals. That's just kind of always how their bullpen has worked. And it works because the National League is a little bit weaker in comparison to the American League. Um, But, I mean... They really just it was it was a sideways move for them to keep Evaldi and Pierce. And it sort of was interesting because I could have seen them being more aggressive. But the fact of the matter is they've got like 40 million dollars in payroll tied up to Rosny Castillo and Pablo Sandoval. And with the way that they that teams prioritize luxury tax and things like that, there was no way they were going to keep going and forfeit more international money and more draft picks because to fans, that means nothing because a championship now is worth more than draft picks later. But at the same time, you just can't keep shooting yourself in the foot like that. Like one of the things that Brian Cashman said um, recently, which is something that sticks with me with a lot of the moves that the Yankees make is he said, we've been a good enough team that our regular season record keeps us away from the best talent in the draft. And so I prioritize the international money because trading for more of it is like trading for a first round pick yeah. the, the the lottery that exists there. Yeah, because when like you have more bonus money, um, they signed uh, Jason Dominguez. Yeah, who, who's you've who's probably seen the YouTube videos by now. Yeah. He's already like huge, big dude, um, switch hitter, five tool center field talent. You know, huge big could dude. Be, 
Sound like Paul Jack. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. What are you even talking about? I don't um, know. It's, it made me we've laugh. Reached, we've reached the point that, that Andy thinks we're not even making any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, since the last episode, um, I think we've seen a Yankees team that, to use this phrase one last time, has um, appeared to have turned the corner. They have turned the corner. They have really? Oh, they collected $200 and they are on their merry fucking way. Which Hopefully is great. we have more of these episodes, these... Yeah, you we're know, a little more positive these, and have more happy stuff episodes. to talk about. I was in a good mood, and I'm usually, mood. you know, in full, um, you know. <laughs> we're ready um, to scream. Mode. Yeah, I wasn't in, um, so that's nice to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's just, uh, it's just so much better getting to record these after games, after a two-game sweep of the Red Sox. Good like after the next day, win. too. Yeah, after yeah. any win is great, but after a two-game sweep of the Red Sox with... Very promising mm-hmm. performances all around, and just, James Paxton he earned like my heart. I love the guy. He did yeah. that. Well, that's sounded a little, you know, but like he earned my like um, I don't know, I don't know the term I'm trying to use, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, he won you over. <laughs> I, yeah, I trust him. I trust the yeah. guy. That's what yeah. it is. Yes, there is exactly. there are too many stupid comparisons of James Paxton to Sonny Gray. Just, Which just, I knew from the start that he wouldn't well, be. Well, obviously, because it was, it was, like, it was he attacks the zone. That's all I have to say. He attacks the zone. He doesn't fucking um, pussyfoot around strikes. the zone. The thing also That's is just all. like the obvious comparison is that they're both, you know, ace pitchers that Cashman gave up top talent for. And the difference is also that Paxton's stuff is superior and his makeup is, is even better. Um which is great. He'll be pitching game four against the Royals. Uh, and he'll also um, hope to do exactly what he did against Boston to them. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping that in a week, I don't know what our schedule looks like a week from right now after the, uh, after the Royals. Been after Kansas City, we head out west. Fun times uh, out west. Recording. Right, so we're going to be doing fun after those games. Recording. We're going to be doing yeah, I'm not sure when we're going to record next, but um, next Wednesday, it's um, the Yankees at the Angels at 10 o'clock start. So you might be hearing from us Thursday at some <laughs> Or you might be hearing a live recording during the game. Oh, that would be fun. Which could be fun. But nonetheless, we're hoping that from here on out, the Yankees can win on the very least on Wednesday nights. And we can give you guys happier episodes. We can give ourselves better moods. We can all just benefit. This is a mutually beneficial experience for everybody. The Yankees win. So that means they do better. That means we do better. That means you guys do better. This is I don't even know if there's a word like mutually that like incorporates three parties but if anybody knows it let me know because i don't and it applies right now so we are glad that we can finally record a happier episode for you guys we are glad that the yankees are winning we're glad that aaron boone's you know his talking points have finally paid off at least somewhat so and man what what a series win or a sweep rather against the Red Sox. Two games only. You know, say what you will, but wow. It was it was a feel-good series. And 
we're hoping that the Yankees did indeed turn a corner and can use this momentum going forwards and use the fuel, the fuel from the the strong performances that we were, you know, that we received and that we were so blessed to watch over the past two nights and go forward into a decrepit Kansas City Royals team, take at least three out of four and be on our merry way into that dreaded West Coast road trip. And on that note, as always, thank you guys for listening. DM, voicemail, you know, leave us voicemails, tweet at us, you know, watch the games with us, all this good stuff. Um, we're hoping to be releasing some very big news and very exciting news in the coming days, maybe in the coming week. Hopefully by the time we next record, we will have this news and this initiative out for you guys. Don't quote me on it, but I'm hoping. Um, man, keep rating, subscribing, follow the Twitter account at Core4Pod. Um, and on that note, two things, go Yankees. And to our listeners, have either a very happy Passover or a very blessed Easter this weekend. Or if there is another holiday that I'm missing because it's very late and I'm very tired, please do not take that, you know, purposefully. But go Yankees. Thank you guys for listening. You rock. Adios.